When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Steelers Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield coming at you again. It's Thursday morning. It's the last Thursday in January. No, wait a second. No, it's not. But it's going to feel like it when you listen to this show because guess what we're doing this week? We are going beyond what we had last week with last week's Stat Geek. If you didn't check that out, it's all right. You, you'll get caught up with everything here, but we are the first Thursday in February. It is Groundhog Day. I, I'm ready to watch Bill Murray all day, I guess, um, and, and see how that goes. But what I'm talking about here with the, what we're going is that I, I kind of laid out a challenge last week. I said, hey, nerds of steel, I can't answer this question. And this question was from Jennifer. I always mess up her last name. Even when I think I have it right, I get it wrong. But what Jennifer was asking was she wanted to know when Deontay Johnson catches the ball and runs backwards, does it ever pay off? And I searched. I tried to find, I tried to find something that, that, that charted his movements and things like that that I could organize. I couldn't find it from my regular statistical analysis. So I put the challenge out there. I said, nerds of steel, if anyone can get me this data or go through it and, and you know, chart the plays yourself, you are coming on the show to explain what you got. My goodness, it was Thursday. Um, it might have even been afternoon Pittsburgh time, and I already had a taker. I already had a taker, and they are here today because they said, you know what, I'll go through, I'll, I'll look at all DJ's um, receptions for the season, and I'll even turn it into an article. That's right, an article for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com because we have fellow podcaster, fellow writer at the website. We have, from what Yin's talking about, Kyle Kreiss. Kyle, how you doing today? We are. All right. We're ready to talk <laughs> stats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
It's crazy because now people are like, oh, man, I got to listen to Kyle for back-to-back shows. <laughs> no, you get to listen to Kyle for back-to-back shows. And if you're tuning into Stat Geek and you don't turn, tune into what Yin's talking about, shame on you. Now, yeah. if you tune, tune into what Yin's talking about and don't listen to Stat Geek, then I'm, I'm talking to the wrong audience <laughs> because this is Stat Geek right now. Now maybe Kyle can plug this, and maybe we can get some of the some of the Yins or Yins listeners to, to to check this one out. But Kyle, you dove in and did the work. How, you said, much, you know, how much did it take? You you said you know you were like you know issued the challenge, and I said this is direct. This is something I can do. Only eighty six catches. Uh, let me look at every single Deontay Johnson catch. <laughs> And it was actually not super hard to find them. I, I can only there was one of his receptions that I think is lost to the YouTube gods. <laughs> Everything else I was able to find out there. Really? So that's whoo that well, and that's crazy. And you can chart some of the stuff. I mean, you can tell based somewhat on 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 a record of the play what it might be. But there's just whether it's from the Steelers, whether it's from pro football reference, it's really hard to tell, you know, that sometimes you just get the gain and, so, and they'll tell you maybe the yak yards, but they don't really tell you what was going on when it was set up, but you dove into it. You did it all. So let's answer this question. When it comes to Deontay Johnson's catches, how does it really go? Does it work out when he runs backwards? You know, he doesn't have big yak numbers, but, did, did you find that a lot of this was based on the routes he was running because he was running a lot of comeback routes? That's that's exactly right. You know, you can't see on the stats, you know, wh- how these plays develop. And this narrative is formed that, you know, he's all – DJ's always, you know, like a backwards runner before he splits up field. But when you look at all these plays, uh, 86 catches. You know, I didn't look at the targets. You know, 86 yeah. catches. Forget targets. He had to catch well, it in order for it to go backwards. <laughs> And, and for a third of, uh, you know, I think it was 30, exactly 32 of the 86 catches, He, yeah, he's coming back to the quarterback either in the form of a curl route or in a lot of times just, you know, Kenny is scrambling and they teach the receivers to come back to the mm-hmm. quarterback. So his momentum is, is yeah, so makes that catch, which we see on the screen, uh, it takes him – that first step, and in some cases, maybe a second step, to actually physically turn his body around. So I broke it down into, you know, are these above-the-neck mistakes or are these just the result of just physics and momentum? And yes. I only found I only found eight plays all season where you could blame above-the-neck decisions as far as okay. moving laterally or moving backwards. Uh, you know, the re- now, of course – Sure, there's 32 of those plays where you're going to see it looks like. I'm not saying the eye test isn't wrong. It looks like he's coming backwards, but that's because he's the, the momentum of the, the route. Yes. If that well, makes sense. You're, I mean, you're talking, you know, uh, physics and momentum. You're just speaking my love language right now. So uh, let's just kind of get into this here. Um, I, one sticks out in my mind. It was because I was at the game, and, and my seats at the game. I'm in the end zone. I love the end zone view. That's the coach's view that I that I call. That's the all twenty two view that a lot of people like to say. Because when I was coaching high school football, and I'm and I'm an offensive coordinator, and I'm in practice, I'm standing behind the huddle, so I'm watching everything develop in that way. I love it. But the one thing that doesn't give you is really how far you're gaining 
down the field. When it's a fourth and one, I'm looking at the Jumbotron because I want to see how far they're pushing forward. So so what's nice is with my seats, I can see both of them at the same time. But there was one in that in the New Orleans game, which I was at, that he definitely he was coming across, he was at the line and he flat up ran the wrong way. That's probably the one that stands out the most in Sealers fans' mind. But it wasn't the only one. So what do we got? What do we got? Well, and so, yeah, in, New, in that New Orleans game, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was six minutes to go in the second quarter. Um, he, you know, it, it, was a, it was a first and 10 at the 31. He caught it at the 42. So he caught it uh, if he would have just fallen yeah. with the catch, that first would have been the first down. But he takes that first step to spin around, and he goes back two yards to the 40 and then gets tackled. So uh, he, he ends up – you know, they rule him short of the first. That was, I did mark that as one of the eight, yes. uh, you could say, faulty plays. Yes, and I and I have it here I'm, because I'm, I'm looking at your article right now. I really am. Now, this article that I'm talking about, it is going to be on Behind the Steel Curtain at 8.15 a.m. today. So if you're one of those people that listen to our podcast bright and early, you might have to wait for it a little bit. If you're catching this, you know, later in the day, it's probably already there for you to go in and even check this out and read it yourself. So uh, he, he had four catches in that game, and that's the one that, that you have – that um, that he spun back two yards and ended up with, with with negative two yards after the catch, and it was a difference between a first down and not. And that's one of the only occasions, really, where he missed the first. You could say that first third down in in, in game one against Cincinnati, uh, where it was the same situation. It was a third and two. He makes mm-hmm. the catch, spins back, you know, and and is inches short of the first down. Those yeah. are really the only two first downs missed because throughout the rest of the season there were a couple other instances but then it led to either a Derek Watt you know third and one conversion or uh you know Kenny making the conversion on third you know there were certainly no game deciding plays that were you know where DJ's yak uh decided a game and really only two all season that were could have decided a first down that we ended up having to punt yeah all these other plays go ahead no, and I was going to say, that was my question. Like in that New Orleans one, what happened after that? So that was, that was that a first a and 10. Yeah. What's that? That was that one fit to a punt. That wow. Was a, so uh, they did not gain the other yard because um, I'm, I'm still trying to remember that game. Um, even though I was there, the, all, all the stuff kind of kind of goes together. So sorry about that. I but, just think, uh, but, you know, in, in, in the fans like to come up with this narrative, you know, that, you know, he's Deontay's a backward runner. But in these situations like that with, you know, a curl or a comeback route, I mean, how much can you blame on on the receiver? You know, we, we, we praised Deontay for getting open, but the reason he's getting open is because he's got this kind of, you know, short burst that, where he can create separation. And that's going to create this momentum that takes harder to, to turn around. Yeah, and and sometimes does it work out? Does he step backwards and then still gains more yards from where he caught the ball? Did you find any of those? Yeah, well, you know, um, out of the so out of all of eighty six catches, thirty two plays were kind of this comeback route yes. or curl route. Only nine were negative yak. And three of those were still good enough for a first down. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the whole negative yak is kind of not. You can. It's not. It's not a. It's not a true narrative. You know, twenty of those plays 
led to positive yak, including mm-hmm. six first down. So there's six times where he caught the ball, didn't have enough for the first, uh, made a move to just enough to get to the, you know, he's not, he's not racking up 20 yards or 30 yards a yak, you know, like that yeah. had prior move play, but he's doing enough to convert a first down, you know, just, just a half juke on a corner or something just to get, you know, enough forward momentum. Sometimes he's just falling down and that's two yards right there. So. Yeah. Um, the, there's one here when I'm going through where you highlighted all these that I'm trying to remember this play. And I'm like, I really should have looked back at this one because this was this was against Indianapolis. It was in the fourth quarter, early the fourth quarter. Um, it was a second and 14 on the 28-yard line. He catches it at the 23. He runs, you know, kind of backwards to the 24, goes up to the 18, and then ends up back at the 20. It sounds like he went all over the place. Yeah. But, that was but it still ones- kind of worked out pretty good from when he started. That's one of the ones I that I highlighted where, you know, he could have – and they even the, – the announcers even uh, noted it in that moment. They're like, ah, he could have just cut up field and then you kept going. They were like, oh, he could have gone all the way to the end zone. I don't know about that. Yeah. But he certainly could have cut up field. And a lot of times, you know, if it's a slant route, uh, anything but one of these curls, usually that first step of DJ is pretty quick and he can yeah. cut up field. But on that one situation against Indianapolis, yeah, he, like, he tried to go laterally. Then he tried to take a step back and, you know, it didn't work. And that was on a second and 14, I think. Uh, but Kenny converted the third down. So, yes, he did. you know, it's, it's like it's a it's kind of like, yeah, you can be upset in that moment. But then once they converted, it's kind of like, oh, it's like dust in the wind now, you know? Yeah. And and like I'm, I'm looking at a lot of these and I'm thinking a lot of these are not like very much down the field passes. Yeah. Some of these were only a couple yards past the line of scrimmage. So he so he's trying to get away. Um, I know there was one in that first game in overtime that it was it was a third and four there on the thirty seven. He caught it to thirty five and he ended and he ended up going back to the to the thirty seven, where you know pretty much he just you know maybe dive forward for for a good field goal for a closer field goal attempt because they went for was that the one they went for the field goal and and, and Boz doinked it yeah yeah that was yeah. really doink yeah so if if he doesn't spin back a couple yards and actually just tries to say i'm already here maybe get one more but at the same time he's also trying to maybe say can i break it and get even closer that's the big question does it pay off when he goes backwards or is it kind of a wash where sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. I mean, this season, it, you know, his the yard after catch across the board for the Steelers were so low this year. Yeah, they were not good. To, it's hard to say that, um, you know, it's it's. but the majority of the time, he's creating positive yak. It's hard to say, well, if he would just fall down and give up at the at the catch, how many, you know, it, it, it would have been, it's, it's, it's going to be about the same because this, yeah. these yak numbers are so low. But, um, for the six times that he converted the first, it certainly makes a difference compared to the two times that he didn't. Um, and just knowing that he creates separation, uh, you know, it, it, it makes up to the fact that, yeah, maybe once a game, there's going to be a, a decision that fans aren't going to like. You know, you look back at that OT catch that he didn't make it to the first, but on that, but just two plays before is when he made that immaculate one hand yes. catch. So some yeah. of the context is kind of like, oh man, are we going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to complain about the third and four that he blew, but it was just, only because he just converted the super huge play, you know, a yeah. minute ago. So uh, I just think that the nitpick on this is a little overblown for what DJ brings 
uh, on the back end. And, and, and it's always, I should always, it's the majority of the time is going to be positive yak, even if it's for a low number. And I think Tomlin himself said it, uh, you know, I'd rather him be fighting for that big play than necessarily just, you know, giving up or something. It's, it's the punt return. It's like the punt returner who dances and takes off towards the sideline and bends their return backwards to lose three yards. You're like, if they get you there, why do you even bother? Why didn't you just, you know, fair catcher to go down right there? But if they get that corner, yeah. it's going to pay off. And that's what this kind of goes. To me, I think the biggest thing that the Steelers can do with Deontay Johnson, get him the ball moving forward. Yeah. Let him, I mean, if he's already moving forward, that's what's going to give him the yards. And they didn't have a lot of that with him. And, and I still think that he's, he's a receiver that can do that. You know, I love the quick slant. The Steelers did not have the quick slant as one of their main things that they did this past season. No, you're exactly right. And when you see, when you see DJ on the slant, it is, it's like apples and oranges compared to the rest of the narrative here, because yeah, it's a quick step. And if there's any kind of space, uh, it's boom. It's, you know, it's plenty of, it's plenty of yak there. Yeah. So, and now his last catch of the season that you had here was another, was another one of those. It was second and seven and he actually, you know, caught, caught the ball for a six yard gain, but then lost one yard. Yeah. This was a weird, this was a, you know, I, I gave all the benefit of the doubt against DJ when I looked at these plays. So this yeah. one was, yeah, second and seven. He made the catch with the first down, but for whatever reason, you know, he let the momentum take him out of bounds short of the sticks. And yeah. we still got the first on the next play. I think on it was the next Eric play. Watt uh, run. But, you know, it was – I just was like, well, hey, if, if I'm going to give this narrative full credence, I'm going to put the benefit of the doubt against him. So I put that on as a negative. Yeah. And it's and it's so situational because I mean think about it. if it's if it's third and fourteen and nothing's open downfield and you're catching the ball for an eight yard gain, I don't care if you're losing two yards because you're trying to break it to 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 then gain the the other eight that you're going to need to get to the first down from where you went backwards to. I'm I'm fine with that. I think the one that really gets people is when you have the first down and it takes it away. It's always going to stand out, even if it's only, what, was it two or three times that happened all season? Yeah, you know, you could, you could depending on how you want to, it's, it's two or three. Yeah. And I think because it happened twice in that first game against Cincy, that they kind of created a narrative that went for the yeah. rest of the year. So anytime you saw one of these curl routes, you're like, oh, he's going backwards again. Yeah. And... I mean, you know, I, I don't want to look at every curl route across the league. But, but if it's three three times it, it, it doesn't work, the six times that it does, you just kind of forget about it. You know, that, that, that's just the tendency that we have. So anything else you want to say overall to wrap up anything with the Deontay Johnson stuff? You know, just like I said, I only studied the catches. So it was you're only, you're only studying success. But, you know, looking at these 86 catches – I'm like, hey, we got a we got a deal on signing DJ to that contract, and I'm happy that mm-hmm. you know he's with the team, and we're not maybe looking for a wideout again in number one. I don't know. Yeah, and and like I laid out two weeks ago on Stat Geek, where I did it, where I answered the question about about how much the receivers cost. He's with the exception of yards because he didn't get as many yards. But when you talk about receptions, targets, of course, but even even receptions, can't say touchdowns because you can't divide by zero. That's why I couldn't do that one. 
or snaps or anything like that, he's still cheaper than some of these high-end receivers. So really, ultimately, what you want is if you can turn that more into yards. So, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for joining me. What, anything you want to, want to say to, you know, plug your stuff? Plug, I mean, I, I think I already plugged your show and, and your article. If there, is there anything else you want to add into that? Yeah, just keep, yeah, listen, keep listening to the show and, um, and, Tell somebody, you know, that's the thing. It's like word of mouth is more powerful than word of tweet. So (laughs) word of tweet. I love it. So thank you so much for joining me, Kyle. You all stick around. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at the other topic from last week that I should have taken a little bit farther. And thanks to one Brian Anthony Davis, I am. And that is we talked about the Steelers finishing strong. How did finishing strong roll into the next year? So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half of Steelers Stat Geek. Thank you so much. Kyle Kreis stepping up, doing what I couldn't do um, with charting these plays and answering that question about Deontay Johnson. I really appreciate all that he did there. So once again, I I said this was like a throwback show to the previous week because I'll tell a quick little story. This is Brian Anthony Davis that gave me this idea. When I told him what I was talking about last week about all oh, the Steelers finishing strong and, you know, how does it relate? He kind of set it up the podcast in a different way than what it was. And I said, no, Brian, that's not what I'm doing. My question was this. He's like, oh. And then I said, but you know what? That's a good question. So I'm going to go back and readdress it. And Brian's way was, all right, they finished the season strong. How'd they start the next season? So in the years, I, I laid it out last week, all the years, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Finished four and zero, and when they finished six and one, I don't know that we'll do all the six and one ones because it might take some time. You know, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll have time to, to to rattle those off. But we're going to look at the times the Steelers finished four and zero, and I went and told you, you know, did they make the playoffs or not? Really, the only time the Steelers didn't make the playoffs when they finished four and zero was in twenty twenty two. Every other time they made the postseason, even when they finished six and one, six of the last seven made the postseason all those times, did not in this past year. But the question is, what happened to start the next season? So if you go back to last time before 2022, the Steelers, where they finished 4-0 at the end of the season, the next season was 2017. How did the Steelers start 2017? Well, the, the very next year, they won their first two games. So they at least started then, you know, then they had that overtime loss to Chicago and then the Steelers turned around and, you know, they not only did they go six and one to finish the season, they actually went 10 and one to finish the season, but they did win their first two games of the next season after going four and oh at the end of the year. In 2014, the Steelers finished 12, you know, uh, four and oh, 12 and oh, I wish they would have. Uh, they finished four and oh, but how did that equate to 2015? Well, in 2015, the Steelers started off with a loss. Um, that was their, that was their seven point loss, um, to the Patriots on Thursday night because they were the reigning Super Bowl champions. The Steelers did turn around and win their next two games. 
um, after that. But they started off uh, with a loss. So then going back even further, that's when you really have a big jump back to 2005, um, where where they had that that good finish at the end of the year, um, finished four and zero. But the but in 2006, the way that equated was they won their first game, and then they lost the next three. So that didn't really bring them into going super strong the very next year. But when the Steelers finished, well, not just four and zero, when they finished to do, do, do fourteen and zero um, at the end of two thousand four, that rolled in to two thousand five, where they won their first two games, um, and then they won, you know, three of their first four. Um, if you look at it, they won seven, uh, seven of their first nine. If you really want to talk about that, um, that far into it, then you got to jump all the way back to the seventies, if you recall. In seventy eight, they finished four and zero. And then, therefore, rolling into the next season in 79, the Steelers started off uh, with with four straight wins. So most of the time where they finish strong, they at least start off uh, the next season with it, with at least one W so far. I've only got two more to do because, remember, I went back to the to 1970 with the merger um, is when I started. The, the Steelers finished uh, 4-0 in 76. In 77, turn around and – they won their first game, but then they lost their second one. They went, they were on a, on a win loss, win loss streak to start that year. And then last but not least in 1972, uh, the, when, when the Steelers, uh, finished four and oh, and then you had the whole immaculate receptions and everything in 73. How did they carry that into 73? Uh, they won their first, first four games. Now remember these things are also, they finished the regular season four and oh, but, unless it's those years where they won the Super Bowl, like in 05, like in uh, 78, the, you're talking about you, they're, they're still experiencing a loss at the end of the season with the playoffs. So this is a whole different story when you really talk about that. But uh, because the, the playoffs come into, into play. So this, this is uncharted territory for the Steelers next year. Finishing that strong, finishing that strong, and yet not finishing with a loss because they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, it, to me, it's a whole different monster if you're coming off a Super Bowl win. that You can't even compare the two. If, you've, if you're on Twitter and you follow anything with the Steelers, the Steelers right now are one of four teams that, have not, that did not lose in the month of January, or even better. They're, they're one of four teams that don't have a loss in 2023 one of which is the Chiefs that are still playing. And the other three were teams that didn't make the playoffs, which was which was Detroit and Atlanta. You know, though, though, I'm pretty sure it was Atlanta, were the other two teams that finished um, their, their season where they didn't lose at all in January. So that, those are some interesting things to see there. So if you look at it, when the Steelers finished their season 4-0 or better, since the merger, they've started off with at least one win in well, I can't even look at it right now. In six of those seven years, the only year that they didn't start off with a win was following the 2014 season when they had to play the Super Bowl champion on the road to start the season. Other than that, the Steelers were getting um, twice they only got one win, twice they got two wins, and two other times they started off with four wins. So hopefully, you know, th- those four wins, those were in the 70s. So that's a whole different thing to look at. Uh, if you look at it under Mike Tomlin, the one was a loss, but the other one was a two win. I don't know that this is predictive. 
because, like I said, this is uncharted for the Steelers. They have they didn't win four games and not to end the season and not make the playoffs. Um, but but if you look at some of the other ones, I mean, we we can you know quickly take a look here at uh, at what was going on with with some of the times with teams finished six and one. At least the, at least we'll do the years under Mike Tomlin. Let's do that. We'll at least look at the years under Mike Tomlin. So in, so we already well in 2017 the Steelers finished six and one, and then therefore they start and then they lost their first playoff game. Yeah, but in 2018 did not equates to a lot of success because the next game to start the next season, if those of you remember, it was a tie. It was a tie against the Browns uh, in the pouring rain. And then there was a loss to Kansas City at home. And it, it really took the took the Steelers – it took them three games till they got a win. They got a win in Tampa. That was the infamous stiff arm heard around the world by one Vance McDonald. So that's what happened – to start the season, the last time the Steelers went six and one, we already looked at the 2016 season and what happened. You know, they started with two wins in 2011, the Steelers finished six and one. Um, and what happened with that 2012 season? Well, it was kind of a disappointment. You know, the Steelers went eight and eight um, and they started off losing, losing two of their first three. Um, they lost on the road to, to Denver. Then they won at home against the jets. And then they lost on the road uh, to the Raiders. So that's what happened there. Um, in 2000, I'm making sure I'm not repeating myself. In 2011, the Steelers finished six and one, and that was the one I just told you. <laughs> Sorry, in 2010, the Steelers finished six and one, going into the 2011 season. Whoa, man! Come on, Dave, um, get get it together. So in 2011, the Steelers started off with a loss, with a bad loss. In Baltimore, thirty-five to seven loss. So they then they turned around and and won two games in a row. Then, uh, of course, the last one with Mike Tomlin would be two thousand eight. Uh, the Steelers finished six and one to finish that season, and then, of course, even better because they went on uh, to win the Super Bowl. But two thousand nine was a letdown year, another year of not making the playoffs. And the Steelers started off with an overtime win in week one and then dropped their next two games. So uh, the Steelers don't have the best record when they finish that strong with, with the six and one record when we throw these other ones in here, because you, you, you look at it, they have a tie two times they've won to start and two times they lost. So that one, it didn't really equate into the next season. It really didn't. But as I said before, these are all games coming off of playoff runs where only one of them was one where the Steelers were victorious um, in 2008. Because, you know, in, in, in 2010, they went to the Super Bowl, but then they lost the first game of the next season. So it's hard to tell. To me, it, it, it's going to say, all right, Pittsburgh Steelers, you've never been in this boat before. Let's see how you start. And the biggest thing is going to be their schedule. I'm I'm going out of limb right now and predicting the Pittsburgh Steelers finally open up at home in week one after years and years. And years. I can't even remember now because I keep racking them up in my brain that the Steelers have gone a crazy long time without uh, where they haven't opened on the at home. So this year it's set up properly with with the Pirates um, not being at home 
that it looks like the Steelers hopefully will be at home to start this season. If the NFL does it to them again, that's just kind of ridiculous. So, well, we'll see how that goes. We'll, we look for the schedule to come. The, the NFL used to do it before the draft. Um, then the last couple of years, they've, they've done it in May. They've done it early in May, about, mm, about a week or I think it's usually two weeks after the draft is when we'll, we'll look to see the schedule, but uh, Hey, make sure you're checking out our podcast. Uh, make sure you check out Kyle and Greg coming up next on what Ian's talking about. Um, so you can, you can get a double dose of Kyle after listening to the first half here. And then of course, you've got myself, Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis, we will be there for the Steelers preview tonight on YouTube live and on Facebook live around 8.45. Um, tune into that one. We're going we're gonna to have a little interesting announcement there that uh, you'll hear more of. If you don't catch it tonight, you'll hear more about it um, very soon uh, coming up with, with some stuff that we have going on uh, on the podcast side. So make sure you're checking that out. And, of course, you can get all this great stuff at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If nothing else, go out, go in and check out Kyle's article about Deontay Johnson and the whole breakdown of saying with with him with him and the and the yards after the catch and moving backwards and does it pay off and all that good stuff. We already talked about that in the first half. I don't need to say it again, but um, but 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 he has some good stuff in that article. And there's all kinds of other articles coming. Uh, we got a, a vertex from Jeffrey and I talking about. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, that one's out this morning. Um, and, and my exit interviews are there. We're, we're getting updates from stuff going on at the Senior Bowl. Lots of good stuff to pay attention to. So make sure you're doing that. And uh, we'll be back here next Thursday ready to talk some more geeky numbers. I didn't say it before at the beginning because I had Kyle with me. Let's say it now. Still looking for questions. I got some more I can answer, but I like to have a bigger pool to dip from. It's really nice. So STLR Superfan Dad is it on Twitter. If you add the at gmail.com, that's what I am for email. Always looking for questions. Nerds of Steel are great. They step up, ask some good stuff. So as I always say to finish these up, thanks for geeking out with me.